Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for His sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. Well, today we continue in our new series on discipleship. This is a great way to start the year because Lose Yourself is a call to discipleship. That is the heartbeat of our program. It's the reason we exist, and it's what we call people to. All four Gospels mention that Christ said, those who seek to gain their lives will lose it, and those who lose their life for Christ's sake will find it. And what that simply means is, Our purpose, our plan, our reason for existence should be to glorify God in all we do. And friend, that is a lifelong journey. That is not something that just happens. For some, maybe they had a radical conversion and it comes easier for them. But most of us find ourselves in a position where we start on a faith journey at some point and we continue on that path for the rest of our lives. And friend, that's what I want for you, and that's what I want for myself, frankly, and that's why we do this. And so we've been in this series talking about how we can pursue Christ and be a disciple. Now, I want to make sure that we understand the three main theological points, such as justification. That means we are acquitted of our sins when we come to faith, that God's grace is necessary. We cannot save ourselves. And I want to be very careful when I talk about discipleship that this is not a means of salvation. We cannot take credit for something that we cannot grant ourselves. We are sinful and separated from God, and we are in need of salvation through forgiveness of sins. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ plus nothing, period. And we don't really bring anything to the table. But having said that, God loves us and he created us in his image and he wants fellowship with us. That's the beauty of it. He transforms our lives. So the best way I've heard it said is that Christianity is not designed to make good people better or bad people good. It's to bring dead people to life. Spiritually speaking, I want to make sure I don't imply a works-based salvation. That is something that only God can do when we come to faith. The book of Romans says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. To this point, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says, As you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Ephesians, Galatians, Romans discuss the need for us to receive God's grace, to come into fellowship with him, to become a Christian. I wanted to start there. But then when you become a Christian, you kind of enter the infancy. 
you go from death to life. And there's always been this term called born again, because of the Nicodemus reference, where we go for being spiritually dead and spiritually we are infants. I've known people later in life who come to faith and if they expect that they're just going to immediately be mature because of their age and station in life, there's times that there are 12-year-olds who might be more spiritually mature than a 65-year-old. And that's okay because we all need to be on a discipleship path where we can grow in our knowledge of scripture, our spiritual disciplines, and obedience, and be able to grow to where we're not just become disciples, but then at some point become disciple makers. A disciple who's living authentically for God will inevitably make other disciples. If nothing else, their testimony will attract those who are seeking a deeper walk with Christ. So now that we've talked about salvation, let's talk about a little bit of that sanctification. That's a, just a fancy word of saying we grow to be more like Christ while we're here on earth. And in so doing, we point people towards the gospel. We point people towards forgiveness and truth. And so I mentioned we were, were spiritual babies at that point. First Peter 2.23 says, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. For example, when you have a baby, they cannot eat steak. Babies can't digest that. By the same token, new believers need a steady course of scripture, of patience, of someone to walk alongside them. That's why I talk about the need for one-on-one -on -one discipleship. If you live in Western culture, you are probably in a church or have faith because people in previous generations were willing to disciple people one-on-one -on -one or in small group settings. That is where real growth happens. That's where life and community happens. That's where people feel comfortable sharing their prayer requests, sharing their struggles, being real with each other, sometimes having to tell people harsh truths that are not designed to tear them down, but in love, build them up because they can let go of trappings that are harmful in this world. In so doing, I hope that we can understand there are going to be people who are going to be baby Christians, and they're going to require a lot of us. They're going to require patience. They're going to require time because you might have to repeat things over and over again. They're going to ask questions. Some of them might seem repetitive and inane, but at the same time, so were the ones I asked when I was a kid. They're not always going to get it the first time. In fact, most people I know in the discipleship process, it is trial and error. But anyone who's ever parented a child, you understand this. And some of the great rewards in life is those same children that tested you when they were young grow to, to where you're proud of them and you enjoy their company as adults, as fully realized human beings. And I think that there's elements of that in discipleship. One pastor mentioned that there's parenting, pace setting, and partnering in the discipleship process. That at the beginning point, we're taking care of them like they're children. When you have children, you can't just leave them alone. You have to help them, and they require a lot of us. And then finally, pace setting. You come alongside them, you give them more leash, more privilege, more autonomy, 
and you're able to begin to supervise them in their walk as they self-feed and self-govern and self-grow in their spiritual life. And then finally, partnering is when that person reaches a point in their discipleship where they're not only stable, but they're also now beginning to consider discipling someone else. In missions, when something becomes a movement or a revival is usually when these relationships get two to three people deep. When you have someone who's made a disciple, who's made a disciple, who's made a disciple, that will outgrow any attractional church, any catchy ministry, any major media campaign, that grassroots movement becomes contagious. It's also small enough at that point to be supervised and to be grown organically. And so that's really what we're after here. So today we're mainly going to talk about the need of these babies, if you will. People so many times talk about in the evangelism area that something will happen. There'll be a big event. There'll be an altar call. There'll be some kind of mass decision. And that's wonderful. And I'm so grateful for that. But I have spoken through the years as a ministry practitioner to so many people that were just kind of left there. They go, they go to the conference, they make a decision, they quote unquote, get their fire insurance, if you will, or they, that's slang for make a decision and now they're good in their mind. But oh friend, there's so much more. In the discipleship process, you're unlocking the real purpose for your life. And there's certain marks. I read a nice article by Zane Pratt, who just divides these up. He talks about the transformed heart. You've been forgiven of your sins and you've been brought to death of life, which leads to the transformed mind. When you ground yourself in truth and you're passionate about the Bible, you begin to study God's word and it begins to reorient your values and reorient your thoughts in a more godly fashion. And as that happens, it transforms your affections. What do you love? What are you passionate about? What are the things that bring you joy in life? And we begin to love the good things and dislike things that are destructive. We learn to love God more than we love sin. I heard a wise person once say, you don't just sit there focused on abstaining from the sin that always leads to destruction. But when you focus on loving God more than you love the sin, you just eventually become so in love with God that the sin just kind of fades from view and you're able to focus on the life that God created for you. Then you move to transformed will, which is your life is less about yourself. This is kind of what my program is about. It's about orienting and obeying God's word that then not being a narcissist, not being about yourself and realizing if God is creator and if he's created me for a purpose, my life might not just be all about me. And sometimes through trusting God and reorienting our will, God will call us to things that don't make sense to us at the time. But when we look back on them, they're some of the most rewarding times of our lives. And God can use us if we're willing to put our will to the side and follow his. C.S. Lewis suggested that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking about yourself less. My friend, that is what it means to move from infancy into more maturity. An infant only thinks about itself. 
one of the true marks of moving from infancy into next stages of maturity and discipleship is surrendering that self, not making your life completely about yourself, rejecting narcissism and selfishness. And when you do that, and when you tune into what God is doing, it's amazing to see the transformation that he can make in your life. Lose yourself is a call to discipleship. Our purposes are subject to God. And there are so many times I've met people, they might be experiencing worldly success. They might be experiencing everything that we want in life and we're trained to want in life. But at the same time, they might be miserable. At the same time, I've watched people pick up and move and trust God and it makes no earthly sense. It makes no financial sense. It makes no career sense. It makes it only would make sense to God, let's just say. But in some cases, I've met those people. They're so happy and fulfilled and they do great ministry and they are not defined by their neighbors, their friends, and this world. They are defined by God and his calling. And in so doing, they live a life of significance and a life of purpose and a life of joy. Remember, friend, happiness is circumstantial. Joy can only come from God and being in the center of his will. And that is where I'm going to leave us off today in our discipleship conversation. Because I want for you, friend, to experience the joy of discipleship, of growing closer to God, not just thinking about Christianity as a means to an end or a simple decision to make once. You're being brought to life, but oh, friend, there's so much more. And we're going to talk next week about moving from that infant stage, that baby stage, into becoming a more mature, self-sufficient disciple who may be even then able to make disciples themselves. Friend, I'm so glad you could join me today, and we'll see you on the next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.